0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daf Shui Weekly Daf. You give me 40 minutes or so, and I'll give you a daff or so. This week the United States saw the results of no climate change. Our hearts are with those in Texas who were without electricity and water in some cases for 48 hours, 24 hours, 48 hours. 30 people died. We're hoping that are better as you listen to this podcast. You're now in Adar, the month of upside downness. ness just lived through perhaps four years of living in Shushan, and the moral of the Purim story is that if we don't get rid of the system, then Ahasuerus is still king, and Haman and Mordechai just trade places. On that optimistic note, have fun. Be safe. Be healthy. Okay, here we go. So we are on the bottom line of fifty-six B. We're finishing off the previous Mishnah. And the line in the Mishnah is Shlosha Achin Right, so there are three so we're talking about Hazama, We're talking about people who were converging to Testify against somebody saying that he actually didn't the land didn't really belong to him, and they were a Hazama, which he said was witnesses about whom two other witnesses said, How could you testify you were with us on that day if there are three brothers and another guy from the street, another guy comes with them and testifies, the guy testifies with each one of the brothers for each of the three years, saying, how could you have lived there? You were with us then. They are considered one testimony for the purposes of being convicted, of being conspiring witnesses. Okay. So the Gemara says, So there was a deed upon which two people were signed. And there was a deed for land or, or something to that effect. Shachib Chad Minaya, one of the people who were signed on the deed. So Reuven and Shimon signed on the deed, signed the deed. Then Reuven died. Atta Achva dahai dekai. So Shimon, Reuven died. Shimon's brother came. The, literally the brother who was still standing came. Vachad Achrina. And he brought Shifra with him. Another witness, and in order to testify about the signature of Reuven, to testify that Reuven's signature was a legitimate signature. Okay, so Ruven and Shimon sign a deed to land, or to whatever, but let's say land. Reuven dies. Shimon's brother and Shifra, Shimon's friend, Come, they know Ruvain and they know his signature. So they come and they testify that yes, that's actually the signature of Shimon. Therefore, Ruvain should get the land. So Ravina, a late amora says this is just like uh, the Mishnah that we just read of three brothers, and one other comes and testifies with them every year, and they are considered uh, one testimony. For a Hazamat. Are, so it's a good testimony, right? If it had not been a conspiring testimony, but it was a good testimony. Amr um, Le Rav Ashi says, Me dummy! How could it be? How, how does this actually, is this actually comparable? Comparable? So here there's a little math. There, in that case of the three brothers and the one, three quarters of the bunny was not uh, ex- removed. On the basis of a brother's testimony. So now we have to know, of course, that two brothers can't testify about each other. Remember, biblical law: women can't testify anyway. But we're bracketing that for the moment. Um, But two brothers can't testify about each other, right? So therefore, in that case, before we didn't have the testimony of two brothers because each test about each each sect of witnesses was brother, was a, the, a brother and somebody else, a brother and somebody else, a brother and somebody else, and even though they came together, but there's only half of the testimony were the brothers. Haha. here, here, three-quarters of the money is being extracted, is being taken on the mouth of the brother, right? And now, how is it three-quarters if you only have three witnesses? So here is it. So the brother, Shimon, the surviving partner, his testimony is 50%. Right? He testifies. Uh, Look, it's my signature. It's me. Now we just have to make sure that Reuven's signature is valid. So we have one half of the testimony left. We have two witnesses who will testify to that. One of those witnesses is a brother to Shimon. So that's one half of the witnesses. And so that's three quarters of the testimony together with the quarter of the testimony together with the testimony of the brother is based on a brother is based on the Kirvah and therefore it's totally different and we shouldn't, and Ravashi Re- says Ravina, you can't compare it to that other testimony. Okay. And that finishes the Mishnah. We're moving on to the next Mishnah. Okay, we're cooking with solar here. Eilu dvarim chazaka elud <inaudible> varim shein chazaka so these are matters which, upon which there, about which there is a use of cap, there is use a caption. These are matters about which there is no use of caption. All right. Now, the manuscripts are split in an interesting way. The manuscripts of the the Babylonian manuscripts, the manuscripts of the Bavli, which quote the Gemara, have veilu, and these are the manuscripts of the Mishnah, Kaufman Parmalau the the, which are, Erech Israeli or Palestinian manuscripts, all have Elu, and this leads to a also a difference in interpretation. Right? The question is, when it says Elu D'rim Sheishlem Chazakah, veElu Chazakah, is this Elu referring backwards and veElu referring forward? So Elu D'rim Sheishlem Chazakah, we're talking about things that came beforehand, or and, and these are things that don't have about which there is no use of caption, or these are, as the Rashbam explained, these are the mechanisms by which one can create a claim of use of caption, use use right? Of Chazakah. So the Rashbam and the Mi'iri and it seems like most Rishonim say that this is referring all to what's coming ahead, right? The Rabbeinu Hanan al talks about what's coming before you. Now, the reason, part of the reason for the dispute and interpretation is because, what does it mean, Things that have Chazaka. So we saw, Chazka etc. and so forth, Shalosh Shanim, Yom Le'om, all these things have Chazaka. The quest, however, the things that are listed in this Mishnah, which we'll get to in a minute, are not things that you have a chazaka on them, but things that create the conditions for a chazaka on something else, on a courtyard, on a house, etc., and so forth. So are we talking about the the mechanisms that are coming in the Mishnah, or are we talking about the matters about which there was a chazaka, and el dram shi It's kind of a period. It's kind of a, a half-sake. It's kind of a, a stop. Up until here, with things about which there were chazaka, now we're talking about things that there, about which there aren't chazaka. Now the problem is, as Rashbam points out, in the list that comes, every other thing is, Yeshlem Chazaka, Reina Chazaka. They switch back and forth between things that, that can cause a Chazaka and things that can't cause a Chazaka. So it could be that Rabbeinu Hananel, who's pointing backwards now, that Rabbeinu Hananel, we only have Rabbeinu Khananel as quoted in the Rashbam. We don't have Rabbeinu Hananel independently. Rabbeinu Hananel in the, for example, the Shita M'kubetzet, which is an early medieval anthology, or medieval anthology of commentators that came before. It was collected by Rav Ashkenazi, who lived in Hebron and had a great library. Uh, so it's actually late medieval because he was Vital Ashkenazi. This is a complete aside. Vital Ashkenazi was the benefactor also of the Melechit Shlomo, um, who wrote a, a, a commentary on the Mishnah and was dirt poor. Tunisian, came to Eretz came to Tzfat, lived in Tzfat in the circle of the Ari, so that's the 16th century, was dirt poor, and then Rabbi Tzala Lashkenazi became his benefactor, bought him paper and, and quills, and he wrote his commentary, uh, his amazing commentary on Shlomo. Okay, that being that, we go back to the fact that uh, we don't have Rabbi Nechanan now in an independent source, but in uh, an autograph, but only at, in the Rashbam. So that's the dispute. Is it Elu or Elu? Is it pointing backwards or is it pointing forwards? So, so that's the question. Now we have these two categories. Tanur If somebody put an animal in the courtyard or he put a furnace or a smaller stove, or a two-fired stove, or he uh, raised chickens in the courtyard, and he spread uh, feces for to fertilize the the f- f- fertilizer in the courtyard. That is not a chazaka. But if he but if he made a a, a fence. That was at least 10 tfachim, about 60 inches high, for his animals, that is a And also, b'chen 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 and the same thing, if he made a, a, a fence in order to make his stove or his, his, his furnace or his stove or his two, two fired stove to make them a little more permanent or if he brought chickens into the house, if he made a place for the fertilizer, which was three tvachim deep or three tvachim high, this is a chazakah. So the difference is, it seems, now there are two different interpretations in the Mishnah, and we'll see that the Gemara is a whole different interpretation, but there are two different interpretations in the Mishnah for why things have a chazakah and things don't have a chazakah, the first is that things that don't have a chazaka, the first part of the Mishnah, are things that are that are temporary. You could just pick them up and leave, and you're gone. Right? If you put your animal in somebody's courtyard, you could take it away. So there's no reason for the owner of the courtyard to assume that you're that you're, you know, in the chater, that you're trying to make a claim of ownership on the chater, right? And as the Gemara, the Raman already says in the Mishnah, but as the Gemara explains, we're talking about a courtyard that has a that's owned by partners so you're not just walking into Joe schmo's courtyard and putting your animal there because that might be different but you were you're a, a a a courtyard that's owned by you and your partner and then you let your animal go graze it what do your partner care but as opposed to and also if you put your stove out in the courtyard so you, you, you roll out your grill you know you 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 rev up the the big screen TV and you watch the game so your partner see so your partner in the courtyard says, already he's watching the game and and he's burning it on his grill who cares okay but if you make something permanent like a structure in which a pen for your animal or a pen a structure behind which you put your grill etc and so forth or if you put uh, you bring the the chickens into the house they're there they seem to be there permanently all those things are permanent now the other problem the other possibility is that things that will that do damage to the courtyard or do that change the courtyard materially Like if you're building a fence inside uh, some kind of a pen, so you're doing something there. You're you're building it into the ground. If you're if you are building a thing to keep fertilizer, you're 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 changing the uh, image of the courtyard as opposed to just throwing the fertilizer all over the place. Fertilizing. This week's podcast is brought to you by Choni, the Circle Maker. Is your business in a rut? Are you looking for an angle? Want a way to pull in some extra bucks? Well, you've come to the right place. Choni is a real rainmaker. No, seriously. He'll make it rain like you've never seen. I'm talking raining buckets. Big buckets. Pouring. Flooding. Come to Choni if you want to hire someone who's going to really make it rain. Choni at www.notametaphor.com. Really, not a metaphor. Okay. So, Gemara. Ma'ish Ratio, ma'ish na'seifo. what's the difference between the the first part of the Mishnah and the latter part of the Mishnah, in terms of uh, the first part of the Mishnah says, "Mamid If he just put his animal, his cow, let's say, in the courtyard, and the latter part says, and he put a made a a pen or he made a a partition for his animal. So what's different between the two? Amar Ula. So Ula said, "Here's here's the dividing line." Anything that you could ha- that would be considered an acquisition in the estate of a convert, right? And remember, we're talking about a convert who died, didn't have any relatives, there's nobody to like, make a claim on his land. So anything that in that situation would have been considered an acquisition is also an acquisition in the estate of his friends. And anything that, in the case of the estate of a convert, is not considered an acquisition so too in the estate or the land of your friend of his fellow it's not considered an acquisition matif challenged him. challenge is this a general principle very <inaudible> near but what about turning over the ground turning over the the dirt which in the case of a converts estate is considered an acquisition but in the case of his fellow it's not considered an acquisition right why because you just turned it over you didn't plant anything you just turned over the land and somebody could just say so thank you thank you very much for turning over my land now I'll go out and plant it but in the case of a of, of a convert you turned it over so you made you, you 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 there's nobody there to to challenge so you made a claim in that land and vice versa if you eat the the fruit of the, the the field, if in the case of an estate of your fellow, that's considered an acquisition. But in the estate of a ger, of a convert, that is not an acquisition. So your principle doesn't make any sense, Rav Sheshit says to Ula. So Rav Nachman says the name of Rav Abuha. Rather, <speaking in Spanish> we're talking about the case of a courtyard that is of partners, the Bahamada Kidi kapti a That when you just leave your animal there, we don't care. Or the, the owner doesn't care. But if you if you put up a partition, then the owner cares. So that's the difference. And there's no he's not strict about just leaving your animal there, right? Because it's a partners. and in the case so the stam asks, is that true that in the case of just leaving your animal there, he doesn't care? Do we not have a mishnah if two partners made a nether made an oath that they would not benefit one from the other so both of them are forbidden to go into the courtyard meaning that even walking into the courtyard is considered a benefit meaning that they are mockped, so they are uh, strict uh, strictly enforcing not benefiting from it Ella, so we're changing our we're, we're changing our tune. Ela, Amarav Nachman rather Rab Nachman said in the name of Rabba Barabua, Batim Askinan. Rather, we're talking about the case of a walkway behind a house. Right? Not the not the not the courtyard inside, but behind the house, kind of the alleyway. In that case, which is just behind the house, just letting the animal sit there stand there the the owner of the house doesn't care but to put up a barrier there to put up a pen to put up a partition that the owner cares about Rav papa Amars, Rav Papa says wait both the case of the taking a vow to not have any benefit from each other and the case of putting the animal in are both talking about cases of partnered courtyard courtyard of partners and some, in some, they are strict about it, and they care about it, and they don't allow it, and some they do. They don't care about it. So by a case of just a monetary benefit, that they go, they go easy, they allow it. In other words, that would be the case where you just have a courtyard of partners. But when it is an issue, when there's a, a, a prohibition, in the case where you took an oath, the two partners took an oath not to benefit from each other. In that case, Lechomer, in that case we go, we are more stringent. Ravina, amar Ravina says, no, they never are strict. They never really care about this stuff. Hamani and who is this like? Rebilezer he. This is according to Rebelezer. Detani, says in a brightah. Rebelezer says, so vitur is... Uh, kind of giving up or forgiving something but be, or, or giving something up and which is, it's a case where like for example, if Ruvain takes an oath that he will not have any benefit from Joe who owns the candy store, and then he sends his kid with ten dollars to buy candy from Joe, and Joe throws in some extra candies. Now, Joe does this not only to to Reuven, but he does it to everybody because he wants their business. So he throws in some extra candies. Everybody knows. It's a nice thing. People come back. That's considered vitur, which is forbidden in a case where somebody says, I will not benefit from this store owner. That vitur, that the fact that Joe gives away free stuff is forbidden. So Rabbi Yochanan says in the name of Rabbanah, in everything in a courtyard, partners can stop each other, can stop each other from doing something except laundry. Meaning, except for not a, a partner is not allowed, cannot forbid his partner's wife. From doing the laundry in the courtyard. Why she in their conscience? Because it is not the way of the daughters of Israel to be humiliated about the laundry, meaning they, they won't go down to the river to do the laundry so they could have a cute meet and be part of a rom com, because that's humiliating. Rom coms in general. But here we're talking about just the fact that apparently it's not modest for, for daughters of Israel to do their Laundry down by the river. Okay, since we're talking about modesty, the rabbis' fancy is tickled, and they start going off on the modesty. Same enav merot bara, quoting the verse and one in the verse from Mishlei, one who one closes one's eyes from seeing evil. Amar Reb Abba interprets this verse. This refers to somebody who does not look at women in the time that they are doing laundry. They're very specific fantasies. Hechidami. What is this talking about? Ida'ika darka rashahul. So if a person had a different way around, so then he's an evil person, right? He could have gone on the highway. and said he like took an extra half hour just to walk by the river so he could look at the women while they were doing the laundry. Idaleka darka anusu. If there's no other way to go, he had to go down by the river. That's the only way to go. So then he's a, a noose. He's he's forced to do it. So and therefore, so what are we talking about? What is this pasuk and this drashan? This pasuk adding for us? No, we're talking about a case where there is no other way aside from going down, down the river. And still, a person should get himself out of there. So you don't go by and see the women doing the clothes by the laundry. And thus lust will come into your heart. Chorus footnote: objectifying women. It's not a problem with men. Men don't do the laundry. If they do, we don't objectify men. Et cetera and so forth. Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Bana. So Rabbi Yochanan asked Rabbi Bana. All right, we just had him before. Palestinian Amoraim. Chaluk shall chacham. said, What does the garment of a sage look like? near so it is a a garment in which you cannot see his skin underneath it it's a garment that completely encloses the the, the sage what does the vest or the outer garment the outer cloak of a sage look like it is a garment that you can't see the undergarment through it so what is the what is the the covering of a sage's table look like? Shnei ushlish gale. Two thirds are some kind of woven decoration on the table, and one third is uncovered. ke'arot, v'yerek And on that is where they put the dishes and the vegetables, and the ring which is attached to the table, and you. That's how you remove the table. We're talking about small tables. They remove the table in between courses or after courses, etc. cetera. Tanya said, now that's a problem because we said in Abraita tabatomi bifnim. Here we just said that the ring is on the outside. and In a bright we said the ring is on the inside, meaning where the people are sitting. You only sat on one side of a table. Lakasha. So the Slam says, no, that's not really a problem. Where the ring is on the outside, that's where there is a child at the table. And where there's a child at the table, you're worried that the child will grab the ring and turn over the table. Playing with it. Where there is no child, that's where you have the ring on the inside. Or, you might want to say, in both of them, there is no... We're not talking about a child. Still not a problem. Why? Here, in the case where the, the, the ring is on the outside, is where you have a servant, a waiter. And here, where you don't have a waiter, the ring is on the inside. So when the waiter wants to take it away, he'll be able to move it from, from the outside. Or maybe both of them are talking about where you have some kind of an assistant or a servant. And it's not a problem. Here we're talking about during the day, and here you're talking about at night. So apparently it has to do with, with whether or not you can see it, you want to trip over it, things like that. Michelle ama'aret, Domelim durak derot makifot Ota. At the table of an amhaaretz, which is either an ignorant person or a person who's not in the guild of the sages, not under the authority of the sages, is like a fireplace. And so it's like a fireplace and the the plates are all around the outside, which is in some way supposed to be a denigrating metaphor. Mitat shaltam and chacham. What does the bed of a sage look like? And underneath the bed, or sticking out from under the bed, is there only have sandals in the heat and closed shoes in the rainy season. And a uh, a bed of, a, of, of, of an amaret is like a... Treasure which is eaten up. In other words, it's a mess. So it's a there's a difference between the Tamil Chacham, everything is in its place, and there's a place for everything, and the Emirates is the opposite. It's just a mess. Alright. We're done for today, for this week. 58A. Thank you so much for coming in. We are going to be played out. With a shout-out to Ariella Radwin, who found the Kurt Vonnegut song, which talks about the moment when the money changes hands from one to the other. Remember we talked about the case page ago in The Gomorrah, where a non-Jew acquires with money and a Jew acquires with a shtar, and there's that gap in time in the middle. So that is completely articulated in Mushari's Waltz from God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater by Kurt Vonnegut. Thank you so much, Ariella Radwin. And that's what's going to play us out and I want to thank my producer, Ellie Unger-Sargon, of course. Check out his podcast, for Cubits, with Jeff Helmreich. Um, they're going through their series on anti-blackness and racism and anti-racism. I want to, of course, thank my wonderful Chabruta, Charlotte van Robert, and the communications team for Daf Shrui, Shachar Cohen-Hodas, I am Aryeh Cohen. You can follow me on Twitter at irmiklat, irmiklat. It's been a pleasure having you in the Beit Midrash in the closet seeking refuge with me in Torah. Have a wonderful Purim if you don't speak before then. And next week, hopefully we'll see you again. Bring a friend, stay healthy, wear a mask and be well.
1: My professor at Cornell may his dear soul rest in hell said a brilliant thing to me little Norman Musherry though my name was Lebanese and my grades were mostly Ds I was still his pet and shan't forget the words he spoke were these Just as a good airplane pilot should always be looking for places to land, so should a good lawyer be looking for situations where large amounts of money are about to change hands. For you see, students... In each big transaction there happens a moment when one certain party surrenders a treasure and one other man who's about to receive it has not yet done so. In such a transaction, the watchful young lawyer will notice this moment, endeavor to use it, exacting a chunk of aforementioned treasure, then pass what is left to his client. A magical moment, a marvelous moment, a moment a lawyer adores. A lyrical moment, a miracle moment, the moment you finally get yours. Dismissed, said he. Okay, let's see. The president of the Rosewater Foundation shall be president for life unless proved legally insane, at which time the presidency shall be passed on to the next closest relation of Senator Rosewater. Indeed. If... I could locate such a living relation I'll bet I could win him control of the fortune By proving that Elliot's totally bonkers As easy as proving the Pope to be Catholic And I'd represent in the legal proceedings The next in line heir to the rosewater fortune So when the poor fruitcake surrenders his treasure I'm there at the magical moment Ah, oh, there lies the moment The laudable moment applaudable plaudable moment I bless The moment that's reeking, financially speaking, exuding the smell of success. Dear, darling professor, oh, how could I thank you for opening the door to such beauty and wonder, defining the moment, the magical moment, the moment of power, the moment of plunder. Fabulous moment, backstabulous moment, the moment of foment, a barrister's pleasure. A top rated moment, a gold plated moment, a moment of avarice, greed beyond measure. (laughs) I work till the moment, I lurk toward the moment, delicious and vicious as moments can be. Oh God, I adore me, you smart little normie, I won't even charge me a fee.